Welcome to a tale of two rivals. A fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat. Go with your gut. All I do is win, 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 no matter what champion. And a spreadsheet-loving, numbers-obsessed, sixth place in our league nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? You're joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. And I was just about to say something nice to you, about you to the listeners and about how special it is to see you switch up that intro every week and do something or every episode and do something that that whole voice inflection thing. But, you know, I'm going to take that all back after this uh, this just slander you're saying about my record in, in these leagues that we're in. I apologize. You're in seventh place. I said six. I'm, I didn't mean to upset you. You're in seventh place. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> All right. So, new show format. This would be Dave's take. So, our new format. Quicker, more concise, and easier to digest. Dave's going to have three takes for us today. So, Dave, first take. Rondell Moore, a favorite of, for both of us on this show. All right, guy, I talked up to you before you uh, got your hands on his, on his stats. What's going on with uh, Rondell? Todd, I'm just going to say, this has been a whirlwind first two weeks for Rondale Moore. Uh, he's been, I, I like to th- say that I put a uh, official rubber stamp as my guy when I had Zach Reed on the rookie fever to do the rookie profile on Rondale Moore on a really terrific episode. If you haven't heard that and just want to just see what people were saying, what smart people were saying, like Zach Reed was saying way back in March about Rondale Moore before a lot of people knew who he was. Go and listen to the episode of Rookie Fever. Phenomenal episode. But as as somebody who was not involved with that recording, it's a must listen. Outstanding episode. It, it was. It, thank you, Todd. It really was. Zach three did an awesome job. Uh, but now that being said, Rondell Moore on only playing thirty seven percent of the snaps in Arizona through two games, he's getting six point five targets per game. Thirteen targets. Uh, he's he's top five in the league in targets per route run. Uh, he's. Uh, his rookie ranks, he's third in third in targets uh, with 13 out of the rookies, fourth in target share at 19%, and leads in receiving receptions and receiving yards among all rookies. Second yards per team pass attempt. And I'm, I'm not going to bore you with all these, these things, but he's doing it on less than 10% of the air yard market share in Arizona. Just really, cr- really unique way he's producing in this season and... I was I had all kinds of nice cool little zingy things about saying how he's actually leading Arizona in uh, in targets Todd. I had that all queued up and then on the way home from work today I saw that JJ Zacharyson said it on his show. So I felt like that really took the the sails on my wings here as far as going to tonight's episode. But man, am I excited about Ronda Moore because the questions that people had about him Todd was that his talent. People were questioning his talent Todd. People were concerned about his usage his ability to produce as a fantasy piece because of his size. And man, he, he is still f- obviously firmly my wide receiver two as a rookie. He like th- throughout all of these questions, Todd, he's been my wide receiver two, rookie wide receiver two, and he's playing like that so far. I'm almost surprised I'm getting a take, a take right at this point, Todd. No, I'm just, but oh God, he's, uh, it's actually overall, I, I would just say that my top three rookie wide receivers are still comfortably Chase, Rondale, and Devonta Smith. And I really like how this, the beginning of the season has gone for all three of them. But man, Rondale Moore, 
And I know some people will criticize and say he was he- heavily impacted by that big TD play in week two. But not only is he making splash plays, Todd, he's making clutch plays because before the half, Todd, I'm not sure if you caught this, but Arizona was driving and Kyle Murray hit Rondell Moore and Rondell Moore could have just gone right out of bounds, but he made a, a really smart, heady play, made a move and got some extra yardage to make it a 60-yard field goal attempt or else if he hadn't have done that, he, they would have been out of field goal range and he did that with one second left on the clock. So it was a really smart play by Rondell Moore as a rookie in game two and he's actually leading the team in targets, which is just, I even my wildest dreams, I would not have guessed that. But Todd, it, I, he has been, he's been really special. Not only is he getting the short targets, deep target. This is, this is exactly what we were hoping for. I am so excited about this breakout super early. Like you said, I honestly didn't expect it this early, but I'm also not entirely surprised, all right? His ceiling came with those splash plays. You honestly don't, I don't remember a prospect this exciting after the catch since I've been really scouting rookies for fantasy football. You really just need like eyes and some basic football knowledge to have seen what he was doing at Purdue when he won the Paul Hording Road as a true freshman. That literally means that he was the most versatile player in all of college football as a true freshman. Big 10, like, yards leader. I mean, it was insane what he was doing. So you can't be too surprised that this special athlete is doing special things. And the biggest thing that was a that was an issue with the way that people were taking with Moore was is that, like, he was just, like, you know, a dump and run guy. Like, he could catch the ball downfield, and he's proven it. But, David, what does this mean for Christian Kirk? Is there enough love to go around with all of these Cardinals? I mean, Max Williams also had seven catches on seven targets. There's only one ball to share. Only one ball to share, David. And Todd, lo and behold, A.J. Green has as many targets as DeAndre Hopkins. I, I feel like I'm living in Bizarro in the Bizarro Jerry world here, Jod, where up is down. What I'm not sure. With, you know, with Kirk, I think he's going to ha- he's a great uh, flex play at this point. Or he's a, I wouldn't say great flex play. He's a flex play at this point. You're hoping for the big weeks. Any of these players attached to Arizona you want because they are doing exactly what you want. They're getting plays. They're getting yardage. They're getting red zone attempts. Kyler ball, Murray is is spraying the ball around. And overall, Todd, do I think that like, oh my God, you know, Rondon Moore, I think he was the wide receiver seven this week. That's off the top of my head. I can't not remember, but I know he's top 12. Do I think that Rondon Moore is automatically going to be a top 12 wide receiver this season now after this one big blow up week? No, I do not, Todd. That I think that's unrealistic. I think that the way he's being used, six and a half targets per game, and he, and it, this is early. This These roles usually expand. I think he's going to see more snaps as the season goes on. I think uh, he should be in the top 24 wide receiver range if he stays healthy uh, based on how this is going so far when, the, when everything, the dust settles at the end of the season. All right. We could talk about Rondell Moore for like an hour, honestly. He's like legit except for maybe another Cardinal, uh, our favorite shared player. All right, so when we start off with a positive wide receiver, uh, let's move on to a little stress. A guy who is actually a lot of people's uh, dynasty wide receiver one, A.J. Brown. Some cause for concern going on there, David. What do you, What are your thoughts on the A.J. Brown uh, dilemma? I didn't really know. I was really disheartened about A.J. Brown because my whole mantra with him, all I have him everywhere, my whole mantra surrounding him is, bet on talent, and everything else will follow. Well, the talent has not delivered so far through two games. He's only 20th in the NFL on targets with 17. He's actually got 23% of the, of the, of the 
target share in Tennessee, which, you know, that's actually not terrible. And it's not nowhere near Brandon Ayuk level bad, but not quite what I was hoping in this ascension for A.J. Brown. Now he's eighth in air yards, and the opportunity has been there. But, and it's actually around where it was last season as far as his weight opportunities are concerned and his overall targets. But it's just not getting that jump to the 10 targets per game we were probably, we were hoping for. Uh, now, mind you, this is two games, and he just hasn't delivered through two games yet. Now, heading into the season, some of the biggest concerns, which we met, who we've mentioned several times, is that the passing volume in Tennessee and adding Julio, that there would not be enough to go around, and A.J. Brown would be just have to rely on efficiency again and again, which sometimes isn't always the best bet. Well, they have averaged seven more pass attempts per game through two games in Tennessee. However, the efficiency has dropped down, and, and I think overall, so that's a, I'm going to take that as a positive. Seven more pass attempts per game in Tennessee is a good thing for A.J. Brown, and I'm just, I don't think anyone's going to write off his talent, his ability after the catch to break these big plays. So I'm not panicking yet, Todd. I'm not looking to, to, to sell it, you know, at a high price or I'm not, do I think that he's going to tank for the rest of the season at all? If anything, I know Derek Henry was an absolute beast in the second half of that game Sunday, Todd, but through the first six quarters of the NFL season, it was pure mediocrity for Derek Henry and the Tennessee offense as a whole looked pretty bad. And I don't think betting on Derek Henry to play catch-up ball in the second half of games is going to be a winning success, uh, formula rest of season. So I think going forward, I think there's going to be an uptick in passing volume on the whole, and I think things good things are ahead for for AJ Brown. It's just always tougher when it doesn't happen the first two weeks of the season, and how inefficient he has been with his opportunities. Yeah, I'm I'm not too concerned at the moment. He still had nine and eight targets in the first two weeks, and no one in that passing game is busting out. Age Julio had a, like a a good game week week two, like nothing he had a like TD. Todd, he a bogus TD overturned too. He had a TD and it was overturned too. Right, exactly. Let's not forget that like Tannehill was getting killed game one. Chandler Jones had five sacks, and then you got thirty five rushes from Henry in week two. Those are anomalies. Those things are not going to happen every week. Like, those are just, it's crazy that those are things that they've experienced in back-to-back weeks. So, there's no way with this kind of talent that this passing offense is bounced back. And also, like, two, uh, they got Indy and the Jets and Jacksonville as their next three games. So, those are all, I mean, Indy's not a terrible passing defense, but they're like middle of the road. You got some real advantage in being able to take on some less than stellar passing defenses. So, I, I expect some bounce back. It's definitely frustrating when you invest so much in a guy like A.J. Brown and they're not producing in the first two weeks. That's incredibly frustrating. That's how I feel about investing in Tannehill right now, you know? But at the same time, it's relax. It's been two weeks and they got some, they got some easier matchups coming. Next, Dave's third take. The guy who is firmly behind Debo Samuels and multiple other guys in San Francisco. Brandon Ayuk, David, he was a big, big buy for you this offseason. Thoughts? <sighs> so I'll, a lot of mixed emotions on Brandon Ayuk. I'm really disappointed with how he has not delivered through two weeks. Two targets through two games after one of the better rookie seasons that we have seen through since 2000. Really, a truly 
at least a top 10 rookie season. I'd argue like top six, seven rookie season, maybe even top five rookie season that we have seen and just how good he has been. And unfortunately, he's been the biggest bust in that wide receiver two range in, in redraft and in dynasty. Just, just really bad. <laughs> and a lot of that has been, there's been a lot of speculation that, that Shanahan originally was saying that he had, that he wasn't working hard enough and, and Trent Shurfield took that from him and he's got to work to be better to earn back things. And then he kind of softened that a little bit this past week saying that the hamstring really hampered him and that if he hadn't been injured there in the last of uh, the preseason there, that he'd be, that his role wouldn't have been reduced and Trent Shurfield would be getting those looks, yada, yada, yada. So that's at least something that it's not just purely Shanahan playing power, like, like a power struggle here. And that there's a reason for it as a hamstring thing. So that's a po- like, I'm going to take this as a positive, but still don't feel good about it by any means whatsoever. And even a bigger con- cause for concern for me is that San Francisco, Todd, we-, we talked a little bit about them with Jimmy G, Trey Lance in the in last episode, but San Francisco has been uninspiring on offense, in my opinion. I know they've, they've done well overall. They, they beat Detroit. They won again last week, but on offense, like there's been a healthy Kittle. No Nate Mullins or C.J. Beathard, and there's still five passing attempts less per game through two games. And yes, small sample size, but I'm not feeling... I was thinking that San Francisco would be a top five offense this season, and I'm not feeling it so far by any means whatsoever. And that actually has me more even... That's another reason to concern I have with Ayuk. Maybe then I can say to myself, well, Debo's actually playing really well this season. Uh, So then Kittle starts being used more. And then if IU can blossom again, this offense can really rebound. So maybe that could be part of it. But one of the most frustrating things that I have been listening to this season, Todd, or early on, is that this Dante Pettis fear and this narrative that has been going on with Kyle Shanahan, that, that he's giving him the Dante, Brandon Ayuk, the Dante Pettis treatment. And I think that's insulting, first off, to put Ayuk in the same breath as Dante Pettis. And I know the film-watching gurus would disagree and how great he was at returning punts and just how amazing Dante Pettis was, yada, yada, yada. But Dante Pettis and his rookie season, Ayuk doubled him across the board in target share, targets, fantasy points per game, weight opportunity rating, any stat that you could possibly care about, Ayuk ate, just just uh, totally dominated Dante Pettis. So he's in a different stratosphere of Dante Pettis. So I don't want to put that, don't put that hate on, that Dante Pettis hate and that narrative on on Brandon Ayuk because I I think it's unwarranted and they're just a different caliber of player. So I think that's unrealistic. Now, what what to do? Recommendations. What's the move here? Because I, like I said, Todd, I overpaid for him quite a considerable amount and I tried to in multiple other places throughout the offseason as someone to try to go and get. I don't recommend going out and being aggressive when targeting him in drafts or in trades anymore, in Dynasty. Now, would I be moving to to get him at cost and at at cost sounds is a little cliche, but making, uh, you know, trying to get him at value. That's what I would be. Those are moves I'm still trying to do because I still believe in his talent. And if this is an injury concern, maybe in a week, in two weeks, he can really show us what he's going to be. And then if Trey Lance ever comes along and really opens up this offense overall, things can go well. Now, that being said, I don't think you can start him until he at least starts showing some more positive sides from volume, even though he did see an uptick in snaps. Need to see more opportunities and more volume with Ayuk, Todd. Absolutely, man. I, I'd be targeting him everywhere in Dynasty. But I would know my price, my price, that I'd be willing to acquire him. And that's 
that's a t- complicated thing to give advice for because it really depends on your roster makeup. So any guys off the top of your head, Dave, that you think about, like, maybe be worth, like, moving him, like, straight up? I was thinking maybe somebody's drunk on Pollard, and you might be able to pull that off. But that also really just depends on knowing the people in your league. That was the first guy that popped in my head. Someone that I actually think that we might talk about later this week will be, I might think about, now this is actually, this also depends on how you're trying to navigate the season. And what, what you're trying to do is you're trying to score points. If you're trying to accrue value, if you rebuild, like there's a lot of different ways here, but a name that would jump out is maybe Mike, big Mike Williams. He's a player who I think he's the real deal going forward. He he's, his usage is great. We'll talk about him later, but I think if to try to gain some value and bet on talent, I might make a move around Brandon, uh, big Mike Williams for Brandon. Are you that I, yeah, that, I think that is definitely a move that I would make as well. A pretty realistic place to start with Ayuk right now is two seconds. And I think that that would be a great return for Ayuk. If you're not giving up a first for Ayuk, I, I think that's phenomenal value. And there's some people out there that might be frustrated enough that would say, like, ooh, two seconds is worth it. And the only other thing I want to touch upon with, like, stop helmet matching in narratives. It's lazy. It's freaking lazy. It's not the same situation. Like, just stop the helmet matching with that kind of crap. It drives me insane. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. All right. So, David, tell us where they can find you. Find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter, writing for DLF over on the Rookie Fear podcast. Find me over on my Patreon. Been hopping, Todd. It's been awesome. Been a big influx of patrons. Had uh, like 15 new patrons, I think, in the last week. Uh, the database is, it, it, people are loving the database. It, it has been going swimmingly, been updating very quickly this season. And it's been a lot of fun. So go check out the weekly database for free on my Patreon. But if you really like it, always can sign up for to just uh, show your support. But yeah, Todd, it's been a lot of fun seeing how well the weekly database has done so far this season. Love it, man. Lots of work goes into that. Congratulations, success, big guy. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman over in the Twitter sphere. Let's banter about C2C. Let's banter about Debbie. Let's banter about Dynasty. Let's just talk some shit. You know, I just love talking some trash. So on top of that, uh, you can find my writing, my rankings, my scouting over at the IDP guys. And um, yeah, you can always find me at the place that's number one in my heart. Tale of two rivals. Happy trading.